Welcome to the Voo Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, Daddy Issues, dealing with your past to embrace your future. In this message, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, we discover that our present is shaped by our past. And in order to move forward, we must go back. For resources and exercises to help you on the journey, visit voochurch.com slash daddy issues. Now let's lean into the message together. Second Corinthians chapter six, second Corinthians chapter six. Uh, we are continuing today uh, a collection of talks entitled Daddy Issues. And um, I believe God's gonna speak to us. Like the team's already said, it's day seven of 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm just telling you when the church starts praying, things start changing. And uh, this past Wednesday, we gathered in the city for heart and soul, uh, right at a thousand people, just full of life. Now, I'm just so expecting where God is taking us. Next month, we celebrate seven years as a church. Somebody make some noise out there, come on. Seven years as a church. And I just believe the Lord's taken us into some new spaces. And uh, just get registered, man. Be at team conference, be at all the things that are happening. I know this is a fun season to participate. Uh, let me read this verse, and then we're going to jump into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 is our foundational verse for where we're at for the next four weeks or so. And this is what the scripture says. It says, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What a powerful truth. And I will be a father to you. Uh, I want to preach today part two of our collection, Daddy Issues. I wanna preach from the subject, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And uh, this collection that we are in, we started it last week, and the idea behind this collection is you and I getting a healthy image of a good heavenly father. What we discussed a lot about last week is that if we had a terrible or a poor earthly father, many times it's hard for us to relate to God as a heavenly father. But this idea is actually paramount on your faith journey. Um, Father is the Christian name for God. Jesus said that the way that we're to relate to God is to call him dad, to call him a father. And when I think about good fathers, good fathers are always preparing their children for their future. I've got three little kids and I adore them, Wyatt, Wilde, and Waylon. And uh, ever since these little kids, like Wyatt and Wilde are only four and two, but I'm one of those kind of parents that I just believe that you don't, I don't, we don't talk in baby voice at my house. I know some of y'all are like, hey, me, me. We, we don't do that, you know? From day one, I'm talking to my like infant, like, hey boy, you're a good man, you know? He's like, ah, he doesn't understand anything. And so much of what I'm even doing right now with a four-year-old and a two-year-old boy is I'm preparing them and I'm training them for the future that I believe that they're called to walk into. My wife is away today. She is celebrating her father's 70th birthday. It's pretty awesome. And uh, right now she's actually preaching in Shreveport, Louisiana at his church. How cool is that? Like that's called winning, you know, turn in 70 and at your church, your daughter's preaching your 70th birthday. I'm just like, that's a picture of what I, one day I'm gonna be 70. Waylon's gonna be up here just preaching fire and brimstone and I'm gonna sit back and receive. But I was talking to the boys before they left because this is what I do. And so before they left the other day, I said, Wyatt, come in here. 
And Wyatt, you know, he's typical firstborn, real responsible. Go walk in here, come here. I always kind of give a stern voice. They think they're in trouble. Come in here, right now, let's go. Walks in, I go, hands by your side. He goes. I go, look at me in the eyes, look at me in the eyes. I said, boy, I'm proud of you. You know, there's so many things I love about you. I could start to describe them, but one thing that I love is you're so obedient. I'm amazed at your obedience. I've watched you, you are so obedient. And this week, as you travel with mom, I wanna tell you something right now, you obey her, you understand me? If you obey her, when you get home to me, you're gonna get a reward. Yes, sir. (laughs) Wild, wild, get in here. Nah, wild now. Nah, wild now, yeah, wild now. Wild's totally different from the firstborn. He's a secondborn terror, okay? Comes in like in a tornado, you know? Wild, stand up, nah, stand up. He can't stand up, you know? Hands by your side, he's like, uh, he's just grabbing stuff. Finally, I get his hands by his side, and he'll never, I go, look at me in the eyes. He's like, look at me in the eyes. He won't, he won't look at me in the eyes. And finally, I go, wild, wild. He gets me in the eyes, I go, I'm so proud of you. You know what I love about you, Wild? There's a lot of things I love about you. One of the things I love about you is you're aggressive. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Anyone messes with your brother or sister, anyone touches your mom, I want you to attack. (laughs) No mercy, son, when it comes to the family. You fight for the family. He goes, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. (laughs) What am I doing? I'm, I'm putting value into my boys and I'm preparing them and training them even for the future of just the trip they're about to go on. What you discover about good fathers, and we're gonna talk about it more in the coming weeks, is that a good father always is providing stability. A good father is always providing security. A a good father is somebody who's always stepping in and preparing and training their children for the future that is in front of them. And one of the most marvelous things that a dad does is a dad brings healing. We talked about that last week and many of us on the journey of faith, we've gotten wounded somewhere on the journey, but this collection is to remind you that there is a good heavenly father who wants to wrap you in his arms, who wants to declare over your life, I am proud of you and you can be restored and you can be healed as you receive the love of a good dad. Come on, somebody. He loves you. He is a father to you, even if you had bad dad, even if you're struggling with some daddy issues here in the natural, there is a good heavenly father who wants to love you, who wants to put value on your life, who wants to prepare you for the future. In saying that, talking about the future, what I've learned so much on this journey is that if we're going to ever embrace the future, we're going to have to deal with the past. And I wonder if you're here today and you're going, Rich, I like what you're saying and I've been coming to church for a while and maybe you've even been following Jesus for a little while, but if you were to describe your situation, you would say, man, I feel stuck. Maybe you're here today and you're going, I just feel like I can't get forward momentum. I feel like something is robbing me of progress. I know I've been coming to church for two years, but two years in and I'm still struggling with the same thing. What if I told you today, that something has a hold on you? What if I told you that there's something that's preventing you from moving forward, yet in order to move forward, you're gonna have to first go backwards? I wanna talk for a little bit today around your origin 
story? Do you know your origin story? It seems like the world today is pretty obsessed, or I should maybe say at least Hollywood is pretty obsessed with origin stories. Like, like we all wanna know like, you know, the beginning of Batman. How did Batman become this vigilante who fights for Gotham? Like, how did that begin? And we don't just wanna know about Batman, we also wanna know about his arch enemy, the Joker, right? Like, how did the Joker become this destructive, evil, despicable person? Well, in order to learn about why Batman is the way that he is or why the Joker is the way that he is, you have to go back to the beginning of their story. This summer while I was on vacation, just consuming movies, I watched this movie called Pan. I think it came out maybe 10 years ago. Not the best movie, didn't even finish the movie. But I was watching it in the very beginning of the movie, the, the opening monologue narration begins. And it's this woman's voice. And she goes, I want to tell you a story. It's a story that you might not know. It's about a boy who never grew up, about a pirate who wanted to kill him, about an island that was roaming with fairies. But this story is the one you've never heard. Why? Because sometimes friends begin as enemies and sometimes enemies begin as friends. Sometimes in order to understand the end, you have to discover how it began. I'm watching Pam, I'm like, you preaching to me. <laughs> because many of you, you're here today and you would say, I don't like how I've ended up. I don't like where I've ended up. But I'm curious, even though you're 42 years of age, do you have any new revelation as to why you've ended up there? Do you know why you're stuck? Do you know why you're dealing with the same thing year after year with no progress? Could it be that in order to move forward, you have to first go backward? I'm a parent now, three little kids, and all the parents out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you become a parent, you become a professional photographer. Amen, amen. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just, I just take photos all day long. Like, no, stop, stop, stop. Like, you capture everything. I have hundreds of pictures of my children. I have no idea what I'm gonna do with all these pictures. But I gotta be honest with you, I'm not stopping. <laughs> We're capturing pictures. We're capturing pictures of their life. That's what parents do. I'm proud of them. What's amazing is that um, when you begin to look at baby pictures, it's amazing as you begin to discover just how similar you look to the generations before you. You see, I firmly believe there is no greater influence in your life than your family of origin. When I say family of origin, I'm talking about three to four generations of your life. Let me just show you a couple pictures, okay? This is kind of fun. This is my grandpa, John Wilkerson, in 1934. Handsome guy. Watch this. This is a picture of my dad in 1956. Here's a picture of me at four years of age in 1988. 80s babies, what's up? <laughs> I've always had style, I'm sorry, I always have. How good is this? This is four generations now. This is a picture of Wild this past year. This is my family of origin. And watch this, this is kind of amazing. Watch how similarly we look when we mash all the pictures up. That's all four photos on top of each other. It's 
kind of hard to tell where does one start and where does one end. These Wilkerson genes are strong. <laughs> Every one of us in here, we understand the concept of genes, physical genes. No one in here is gonna disagree with the science of physical genes, that we inherit things from our family of origin. Some of us are tall, not because we chose to be tall, but because my granddad was tall. Some of us are short, not because we chose to be short, but because my grandmother was short. It's an inheritance. I inherited some physical traits. But I wonder, have you forgotten, or maybe nobody has ever told you that you did not just inherit physical genes, you inherited some emotional genes. You inherited some mental genes. Let's go somewhere today that maybe you've never gone before. You inherited some spiritual genes. Whether you wanna believe it or not, there is a clear line of sight from the past to the present. Our present is shaped by our past. There's a lot of people in church today that they read one verse out of Philippians where Paul says, forget the former things and move towards Jesus. And we kind of say, you know what that means? I don't have to deal with any of my drama. I don't have to deal with any of the addictions. I don't have to deal with any of the hurts, the hangups, the divorce. The I don't have to deal with that stuff because now I'm in Christ, new creation moving forward. But if you read the Bible in context, you would discover he's not talking about trauma and pain. He's referring to his spiritual pedigree that he's not in Titled any longer, that he's not just gonna think back and go, I achieved something because of my good deeds, but rather he's gonna say, I forget all that pedigree and I press on towards my new identity in Christ Jesus. What you're gonna learn in life is your issues are your daddy's issues. And your daddy's issues were probably your granddaddy's issues. And your granddaddy's issues were most likely your great-granddaddy's issues. And if we don't learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. And so today, it's sort of a heavy message, but today I have one goal, which is to open your eyes to discover that some of the battles you are fighting, you didn't start them. You inherited them. And if you're not aware of it, you will continue to repeat it. So I wanna give you just two basic big thoughts today. I'm gonna to give you a little bit of homework this week. It's a little bit of a teaching. I'm gonna preach here in a moment as well, but I just wanna give you some theology around this because some of you are going, I don't, know what we're I don't know if I agree with this, but I, I want you to see today that your daddy issues, if you don't confront them, you're gonna become them. So the first thing I want you to write down today, this is the first thing I want you to be aware of. Just gotta be aware of, we're gonna show the Bible with it. Number one, unaddressed sin doesn't get better, it gets worse. Okay, so when we don't repent from sin, when we don't acknowledge it, when we don't bring it to the light, it doesn't just, sin doesn't just maintain, it always multiplies. It always gets bigger. How do we know this? Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? I, I say it all the time. It's like the first sin, what is it? It's like eating fruit from a tree. Second sin, homicide. That's what happened. Tough crowd, by the way, but that's kind of funny. But um, it's true. I mean, like, that's what happens. Like, like, like Cain kills Abel. What, what did his mom and dad do? They ate fruit from a tree and disobeyed God. But it, but it gets bigger. It gets bigger. 
I think one of the greatest examples in the Bible, maybe you've you've seen this before, maybe no one's ever taught you this before. One of the greatest examples of what I would call recycled sins or secondhand sins is the story of Father Abraham. You know Father Abraham, right? Like he's the father of faith. He gets like, we're all here because of him. But like, yo, this man, he had this thing called recycled sins. I wanna show it to you. Uh, His story begins with a great promise from God. If you don't know it, Genesis chapter 12, here it is. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. This is how God always works, by the way. Go and then I'll show. This is called faith. Show me God, then I'll go. No, that's not how it happens. That's not how a church gets formed. Uh, No, no, no. God says, go, start the church in the apartment and then watch thousands of people seven years later are gonna call it home. Just you gotta go and then I'll show. Start the business and then I'll show. We don't have enough money to get married. Get married, come on. (laughs) If it's the right one, hello. And uh, watch, I'll provide for you. Commit and then the resource will come. Go, then I'll show. I will make you, this is a great promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. By the way, just so we understand, what is the definition of greatness over and over again in life? Jesus says the definition of greatness is service. The Old Testament says the, greatness of defini- the, the definition of greatness is you being a blessing. So if your idea and your God dream is like, let me get more so I can have more, you don't really have a good definition of what greatness is to God. God says, I'm gonna use you to be a blessing to those around you. He says, I will make you, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I want you to see this. This is Abraham's calling. Abraham hears the word and what does he do? He steps out and he obeys God. He leaves his country, he leaves his home and he just obeys God. With this great promise comes a great step of faith. Now, although he's got great faith, watch this, he has a character flaw. Because in the same chapter, he shows up into Egypt. And when he arrives into Egypt, I'll show you what happens. Genesis chapter 12, watch this. Now, there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. You understand what's happening? God's promised him something great. God's given him a big vision. He's obeyed God. Now there's famine in the land. He has to go to Egypt for help. But when he gets there, he's got his wife. His wife is pretty. He thinks that they're gonna take his wife and kill him. So he tells his wife to lie. It's a fascinating story because his wife obeys and does what uh, he says, but then Pharaoh takes Sarah, and then God comes and convicts Pharaoh and says, yo, that's another man's wife. Pharaoh wakes up the next morning and he's angry, going, why did you do that? You're gonna bring judgment upon me. And what does Abraham do? He goes, oh, okay, yeah, I was just afraid. I apologize. He apologizes, but he does not repent. How do I know? Because eight chapters later, he does the same thing again. This time, he's in Philistine territory. Watch this. This is Genesis chapter 20. We're just going through the Bible. Genesis chapter 20, verse 2. And there, Abraham said to his, said of his wife, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, said 
sent for Sarah and took her. So now he's in the Philistine territory and the same exact scenario happens. And this Philistine king takes Sarah. Same thing happens. God says, yo, that's another man's wife. This foreign pagan king gets so afraid. He comes and he says to Abraham, why did you lie to me? Watch this. This is uh, chapter 20, verse 11. Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. So what is Abraham doing? Once again, he's not repenting, he's justifying. It's not a full lie. It's a white lie. You know what white lies are, right? Half-truths. Half-truths. And we do this all the time. Half-truths, you know, just little, little half-truths. The, the other day, I had to repent because I did a white lie. More of a full lie. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was driving over here in Coconut Grove, and um, I, I drove by this, the, the yacht club, and I've always wanted to see it. And one of my neighbors is, is, is a member there. And so I was like, oh, let me just pull in. I just, I just want to see what the thing looks like. And when I pulled in, there's a guy at the gate and I got nervous. He goes, uh, member's name. And I was like, I said the man's last name. And as soon as I said the man's last name, this guy goes, this guy quoted his first name and last name. He goes, oh, you're meeting him? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I drove past the guard gate, like conviction from God hit my life. I called my friends like, man, I just lied just now, man. Can you tell them I'm so sorry? You know, I repented. Like, because concealing the truth is a big deal to God. And so Abraham, he doesn't repent. He doesn't stop it. He doesn't reverse it. He justifies it. I want you to see this. Just because you get a promise doesn't mean you won't have a struggle. Some of us, we miss this in this place because we come into God's house and we get inspired and we get a vision from God and we even start to see progress with the promise. But just because we have a promise doesn't mean we're not gonna have to deal with the struggle because a white lie in one generation will become a full lie in the next generation. How do I know? Because we go to the Bible. Abraham has a son, his name is Isaac. And watch what happens. It's a recycled sin. It doesn't get better, it gets worse. Isaac, watch this. This is so dumb. With the same king in the same city, years later with his wife, Rebecca, gets there, he's afraid, and he lies and says, this is my sister. The king takes the sister, and God says, that's the man's wife. In Genesis chapter 26, verse seven, watch this, here we go. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister, because he was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca, because she is beautiful. All I want you to see is that in great-grandfather Abraham, it's a white lie. In Esau, it's a lie, but sin's don't get better, they get worse. No repentance, no reversal, just passing it down like an old secondhand sweater just to the next generation. Why? Because we see it happen again. Isaac, he has two boys, Esau and Jacob. Do you know what Jacob's name means 
by definition, deceiver, con man. And he lives up to that crazy name. His entire life is all around deceiving. He deceives his brother Esau and gets his blessing. He then goes to his father Isaac and puts on animal clothes and goes in and puts this fur on his body and pretends to be Esau the hunter and steals his birthright. He lies to his dad. Isn't that funny? They're like, Isaac, if you sow lies, you're going to reap lies. Now your own boy is lying to you. Great-granddad Abraham, white lie. Granddad Isaac, lie. Jacob, an identity of a liar. But it doesn't stop. It gets worse. Jacob ends up having 12 sons. These are known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And remember, he has that one son, it says 11th son, his name's Joseph, and that's his favorite son. So he puts a coat of many colors on him and says, this is my boy, I love him so much, he has all my favor. And so Joseph walks around with the coat like, yo, I'm the man, you know? All I do is win, win, win. Like, like he's, he's, he's gloating, and what? The 10 brothers hate him. What do the 10 brothers do? The 10 brothers throw him into a pit, steal his coat, dip it in animal's blood, sell Joseph into slavery, go back to their dad with the coat saying he was eaten by animals. Please tell me you see this today. Great-grandfather Abraham, white lie. Granddad Isaac, full lie. Jacob, an identity as a liar. And now the 12 sons or the 10 brothers, it's a community of lies. It's a tribe of lies. Rich, what do you stand? I'm trying to say, if it runs in your family, it might be chasing after you. And some of us are trying to move forward, but there's something pulling us back. There's something taking us back. There's, there's something that began in our family of origin. And if you want to know why you've ended up where you are, you can't move forward until you first go backward and you confront the thing that's been holding you. Friends, I'm telling you, it's same sins, new style. I am the product of my fathers. I am a product of the generations. All that we change on the journey is we just put it in color. We just put it into new style. It's the same thing. It's the same struggle. It's the same journey. And if it's running in your family, there's a good chance today it's chasing after you. What I want you to be aware of today, otherwise you will repeat it. What I want you to be aware of is simply this, is that sin, unaddressed sin, unrepentant sin, it doesn't get better. It always gets worse. Number two, write this down. This is good. Here we go. Second big thought I want you to be aware of. Number two is that the curse is broken, but the pattern can be repeated. So let me try to give a theology on this for a moment, because I do not believe that you are cursed. I want you to see today that the curse has been broken, but you can repeat the negative, toxic, broken patterns. See, when you study our God, especially in the Old Testament, we serve a God who operated in the generations. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. Like, he, he was called that because that's how he would speak to his people. And as you read the Old Testament, what you'll find is, is that if a father sinned, everyone was punished for it. Go all the way back to the Ten Commandments, and literally the most quoted verse by the authors of the Bible is this right here. This is Exodus chapter 34. 
The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, watch this, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So in the Old Testament, he's describing that you would be punished for unaddressed sin. The word iniquity, which we'll talk more about next week, is a lifestyle of sin. There is no more struggle. There is no version of conviction. It's the pattern of your life. You've given up on fighting back against it. It's called an iniquity. And he's saying, hey, listen, I will visit the sons and the daughters to the third and the fourth generation. What's powerful is this is all before Christ, by the way, but even before Christ, you can see the nature and the character of our God. Notice what he says. He says, I'm slow to anger. And if you were to have wrath and punishment on a scale next to God's mercy and grace, notice his wrath and punishment, they go to three to four generations. But his mercy and grace, wow, that goes to thousands, thousands of years. Anybody grateful for a God that the scale always tips towards his love and his mercy and his grace to thousands? But the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus Christ came. And according to Hebrews, that when Jesus Christ, when he shed his blood on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice once and for all time meaning we don't need to keep making this sacrifice, we just need to be reminded of the once and for all sacrifice. This is really beautiful, this is Colossians chapter two. Watch this, Colossians chapter two. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know what that verse is saying? There is no curse over your life if you're in Christ Jesus. It's broken. Why do people wear a cross around their neck? Because it's a reminder, the curse has been broken. And it's not just this verse, it's all of Jesus' teaching. Look all throughout the New Testament as Jesus shows up and he would heal people. And the thinking of that day, because that's how it used to be, was that any type of ailment, any type of disability, any type of sickness, that was a result of the parent's sin. John chapter nine, there's an entire story where a man is blind and they go, is this happened because of his father? And Jesus says, no, this didn't happen because of his father. This is just the condition of humanity because of sin, but this is here that you might discover that you serve a God who is still working miracles, who shows up in the middle of your brokenness, and he reverses curses. You are not under a curse. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are not under a curse. Your family's not cursed. Your kids are not cursed. Your business is not cursed. 
Your life is not cursed. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise today for Jesus. You are not cursed. You got to believe it. Because there's all sorts of mysticism and all sorts of false teaching an apostate gospel that goes through and it's a gospel of works. That's not what I'm prescribing to you today at all. All I'm trying to get you to see is to be realistic. That Jesus, he might live in your heart, but grandpa still lives in your bones. And if I don't confront it, I'm bound to repeat it. The curse has been broken, but I could still repeat the pattern. I could still repeat the pattern. I could still repeat the pattern. Some of us, you're just going through life and you have no idea. Maybe that's because you didn't have a relationship with your dad. There's no honesty with your dad. Maybe you're estranged from your family, but you have no idea that those genes in your body, they don't just affect you physically. They affect you mentally and emotionally and even spiritually. Grandpa's in your bones one way or another. If you want to know why you've ended up where you've ended up, you're going to have to go backwards and confront some things, challenge some things. What you learn in life is that it's easier to copy sins than it is to make up new ones. We just copy and copy and copy. I was with my little boys the other day, walking, talking sermon illustrations. And Wyatt and Wild were sitting at the dinner table and we had plastic forks down. Wyatt grabbed the plastic fork and he broke the fork. I goes, ha ha, he tries to start eating his food. I'm like, dude, that's so dumb. The fork has a purpose. There's not like a big philosophical challenge. This is not a conundrum. It's just use the fork. Nah, it's like this, ha ha, trying to eat, you know? But what you regard, you repeat. What you look at the most, oftentimes you look like the most. What does Wild do? Ha ha, ha I started to copy the exact same thing. I thought to myself, wow, I wonder how many of us in this room today are repeating patterns of broken people. Jerry, do you know how to use a fork? But some of us, the only model we ever had, the only picture we ever had was broken, was toxic, was abusive, was addicted. And so we just keep trying to go through life and we don't know the purpose. We don't know the reason why God's given us something. And so we break things and we use things. And I'm telling you today, you have to get your eyes on someone else. You need to get a new model. You need to get a new picture. Some of y'all today, you need a new hero. You need to know what free looks like. You need to know what stable looks like. You need to know what secure looks like. You need to know what forgiven looks like. You need to know what healthy looks like. I need a new model. I need a new picture. I got daddy issues, man. I want to receive the love of the Father. I want stability. I want security. I don't want to fight the same thing over and over. And some of you today, it's the day to make a decision. You might not have started that battle, but baby, on your watch, you're going to stop that thing in Jesus' name. I can't change what I tolerate. I'm done tolerating this pattern. The curse has been broken. I'm not repeating the pattern. 
I'm not repeating the pattern. I'm not repeating the pattern. I'm not gonna repeat it. I talk to people all the time and they don't even see it. It's like, I know it's a heavy talk. I know it's quiet today. I know it's like, because some of us, we don't realize that our future is being impacted by our past. I'm afraid to commit because what I saw in my home was a damaged, traumatic marriage. I can't get married. I don't know how to perform without having some sort of a supplement to numb the pain. I don't know how to do it, man. I don't know how to communicate in a healthy way. All I know is to make my point, I gotta scream, I gotta throw fists. That's the only thing that I ever saw that created change. So some of us, we're not, we're not ready to go there, but I'm just, I wanna keep prompting us over the weeks that if we don't go there, you will self-medicate. You, you will hide the pain and you will suppress the pain and you will put it into the shadows and it always, always creeps back up. You might not have started it, but today you can't stop it. So I want to show you two things you want to be aware of. And then this is not a pretty close, but this is just, this is some homework this week. Our team has been praying about this collection. It's a different type of collection. There's no way we could do nearly enough work that we need to do on Sundays to create it. And that's why we've created an entire webpage full of resources. There's still more you could do, but you can go to voochurch.com slash daddy issues. If you're watching online right now, that's coming up. I know it is voochurch.com slash daddy issues. But here's just three pieces of homework. What, what do I do? What, what, what can I do this week? First thing I'd love for you to do is it's on the website, it's right there, is I'd love for you to take a moment this week to fill out your genogram. All it is is taking the last three generations and you're walking through it and there's instructions of how to do this online. We just did it with our staff and our team. It's a private thing. It's not something you walk around going, here's my genogram. But the whole point of the genogram is to address and to spot and to make something clear and visible. What are the sins of my family? What are the blessings of my family? It's not just a negative thing. In a few weeks, I'm gonna talk about the positive things that we pass down. I'm a byproduct of really, really good men of faith. doesn't mean they were perfect, but they gave me a huge head start. And some of you, this is the first church you've ever been a part of. You're about to give your kids the greatest head. You're about to give your kids that which you were never, ever given. So let's speak some faith to them. but you're just gonna walk through them on both sides. And it's a private thing, it's an intimate thing, but it's a revealing thing. Wait, every relationship, the majority of the relationships in my home ended in divorce? Okay, wow, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think, I gotta confront that. What is that? How does that make me feel? Am I playing it safe? Am I, wait, alcoholism is everywhere in my family? Why am I playing games with this stuff? I don't know if the bar is a good Friday night hang, not because I'm religious, just because I want to break and not repeat a dysfunctional pattern. Sexual promiscuity, I got to confront it. I got to see it. Listen to me, this is so important. I want to make sure I say this because this can go sideways real quick. We do not go backwards to blame. That is not what we teach here at Voo Church. You go backwards to build. I'm not going backwards to go feel sorry for me and this is why. No, 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 no. I go backwards to 
to build into the future that a good father is preparing for me, training me in. He's helping me. I'm proud of you, Rich. You know what I love about you, Rich? You're aggressive. You know what I love about you? You're obedient. Immature blames, mature builds. So we're not going backwards like, oh, there it goes. See, babe, this is why I could never be a good husband. It's all in the family. No. No, 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 no. It's to discover in order to build. And more often than not, I'm gonna tell you right now, as you start to do this exercise, some of you, you're gonna find yourself going, I need to call my mom, I need to call my dad, I need to thank them. It's not this negative thing, but we, we go backwards not to blame, we go backwards to build. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to talk to someone. Preferably, I'd love for you to talk to a professional at some point. I know everyone's in different parts of our life, but this is a church that we believe in the power of Christian therapy and Christian counseling. I'd love for you to talk to a pastor or a leader, someone who's further on the journey. Why? Because when you go backwards by yourself, it can be dangerous. Because as we start going backwards, we start forming all sorts of new memories and new narratives. And if you don't have a guide to help you on that journey, many times you can find yourself becoming so discouraged. And what I want you to do is if you can't talk about it, it holds you. And I want some of us over this next week or two, whether it's your crew leader, whether it's your team leader, whether it's a pastor, whether it's someone that you look up to, a counselor, a therapist, talk about some of this stuff. Talk about some of these things that you've been quiet about, reveal it, because that's where the healing begins to happen. That's what I love about a community is that when we go backwards, we do so with Jesus and we do so with each other. In fact, I think a really good community will take you places at times that you don't want to go, but when you get there, you say, thank you. I hope that's the kind of church that we are. I don't want to do this collection. Then you step into it. And by the time you get through the process, you go, thank you for challenging me. Thank you for helping me and guiding me. Number three, write this down, is this word prayer. We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting right now. I don't think it's a coincidence, but Jesus, he said, when you pray, you start by saying, hey dad, our father who art in heaven. Every time we get into God's presence, what it's doing is, is we're getting the healthy picture of who he is. He's dad. And if he's dad, it means I'm his son. It means you're his, you're his daughter children of God and what we need on this journey more than anything is to have a correct image of him and a correct image of ourselves that I would bring all of the junk through the generations to my good heavenly father and say you're the one who says that you will father me and so I'm here and I need your stability and I need your security I need your validation and I need your healing I don't want to just get to heaven. I want to be healed on earth. I want to be healthy on earth. I want to be great, not in the way that the world says to be great. I want to be great in the way that you say to be great, which is I want to be a blessing to those around me. And how can I bless those if I'm this broken? So I come to you in prayer. That's why I just think as a community right now, we're going through this journey. It's never been easier to pray. Every day at noon, we're praying. Wednesday morning here and at the city, Design district, 7.30 in the morning, 7.30 at night, Saturday morning for all the guys. I'd double up, I'd go three times. I would just be in prayer. It's like going to the gym. Sometimes it's really hard to go by yourself. But if you got a partner, it makes it a little bit easier. This is what prayer begins to do. We start to pray, we start to pray, we start to pray. The apple doesn't 
fall far from the tree. It's a simple expression. And the expression just simply means that the root is gonna produce some fruit. And when you see fruit, you know what root it came from. The expression gets used, it's like father, like son. I can't help but look like where I am rooted from. My dad and mother, they created me and gave birth to me. And so I look like my dad. But I wanna remind some of you today that yes, your family of origin is a big deal. But every one of us in this room, we need to make sure that we are looking at the right family tree. Because Corinthians says he'll be a father to me. And I believe because of Jesus, the curse has been broken. How do I get a family of origin? It's through the blood. That's why Jesus had to shed his blood because it was a blood issue. You needed new blood. And when his blood was shed, it grafted you in to a brand new family. You have a new family tree. You know what your new family tree is? It's the cross on Calvary. Because on Calvary's hill, Jesus was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. Jesus was crushed so that you could be healed. Jesus was mocked and spit on so that you could be put back together. I have a new family tree. The apple doesn't fall far from the cross of Jesus. I can't help but look like my Father God. I can't help but look like my big brother Jesus. I've got new blood running through my veins. And so I speak towards the power that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not a survivor. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. His blood has made a way. I got a new grandfather. I got a new family tree. It's called the cross of Calvary. If you're grateful for the cross, come on, lift your hands. Come lift your voice. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.